RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 385 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, October 9th, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, October 12th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. All right, Kenna, we've got a lot to cover. We missed last week, and Captains, we missed each and every one of you. So why don't you tell us what we've got coming up? Well, this week we're trekking out all the latest hashtag Trek nuggets from New York Comic Con, including the new Discovery trailer for Season 2. And while last time we told you about James McAvoy and Rosario Dawson wanting to be on the new Picard show, one more name has thrown his hat into the ring, Will Wheaton. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, Age of Discovery has launched on PC. We'll give you our initial reactions and let you know what launch promotions are available. Then it's the return of On Screen, where we're discussing the first short trek starring Ensign Sylvia Tilly, Runaway. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you between episodes. So please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And we're also on Instagram. Follow us at Priority One Pod. Captains, we have a new patron this week. Lance Wilson, who joined us after we recorded episode 384 two weeks ago. So Lance, thank you so very much for becoming a patron of Priority One Podcast, because without patrons like Lance and so many others, we would not be able to continue to produce the quality content that you've come to enjoy from week to week on Priority One Podcast. Now, for those of you unaware, Patreon.com is a way that you can help financially support Priority One by subscribing monthly. We offer several rewards at different tiers including an entirely separate show titled On Screen, where we dive deep into episodes like Short Treks, Runaway, or Discovery coming back in January. And in between Short Treks, we're going to dive into Deep Space Nine, and we might be bringing on some special guests for that. So if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out how you can become a patron of the show. Now, of course, we understand that a financial contribution may not be in the cards. There are other ways that you can contribute to Priority One. For instance, if you're joining us for the live recordings on Tuesday night, make sure to share that live Facebook feed on your feed on Facebook or Twitter. And when we publish the shows, Make sure to spread the word that a new episode of Priority One Podcast has been released on Friday. Let your friends know that they can get their weekly dose of Star Trek news right here on Priority One. There's another way you can contribute to the show. We're still looking for audio editors to join our team. If you fancy being a part of the volunteer team that brings you the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse, then get in touch. Email us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or head over to PriorityOnePodcast.com and click on About Us. You don't need any prior experience, we'll train you, and we'll give you the software you need. So once again, if you're interested in audio editing for Priority One, just email us, incoming at Priority One Podcast, or check out our website. Now, I just have one last thing that I want to talk about briefly before we move on to Trek It Out. Uh, Some of you who are longtime listeners of Priority One Podcast will know that bidet is like our safe word here. When things get out of control, somebody always shouts bidet, bidet, bidet. Now, this has a very long and storied history. Basically, Elijah got a bidet years ago and wouldn't stop talking about it. And so it became our kind of keyword. 
Long story short, uh, a few weeks back, we actually were contacted by a company who, no lie, makes bidets. So BioBidet got in touch with us. Uh, they're looking to increase their social media presence, and they offered to send us some trial units in return for a mention on the show. So I wanted to thank BioBidet for getting in touch with us. They did, in fact, send us the units. They're nice and easy to install. Anthony, you got one, and I got one, didn't you? Yes, and now I know why Elijah will not stop talking about it. Yeah, exactly. So um, we now have a team full of people who have bidets. Thanks to BioBidet. Uh, I would highly encourage you to go and check out their products. They're wonderful. We've set up a redirect page, so you can go to priorityonepodcast.com forward slash BioBidet and get a little bit more information or let us know if you have any questions and please do support them because they've been kind to us. Now let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. This past weekend, the Big Apple played host to all things geek. New York City's Javits Center hosted its 12th New York Comic Con. As has been the story since before its first season, Star Trek Discovery had a big presence. In a panel moderated by Discovery's number one, Rebecca Romaine, the executive producers Alex Kurtzman and Heather Caden, along with several stars, including newcomer Ethan Peck, headed to the stage to dish about Discovery's upcoming second season. While the messages of hope and faith versus science that we've been hearing for much of the season two press tour were once again present, the panel did have some freshly fried Trek nuggets as well. Now, talk wasn't all we were treated to during the panel. The team brought along a trailer for season two. We were marveled by beautiful special effects, as well as given a peek into what the story may hold. There was reference to the seven red signals spread throughout the galaxy, the vision of a red angel, a traditional Klingon D7 maybe design, an undercover Giorgio, Klingon mullets, and our first look at number one and a bearded Mr. Spock. Head to our show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO385 for links to the panel and the trailer. So there's a lot to unpack in this panel. They talked about, they covered a lot of ground. They, they showed the trailer, obviously. And I've picked out a few things that I kind of wanted to touch on, things that have been sort of buzzing around the Star Trek multiverse. Um, most of them are a little bit lighter, um, echoing really what we're seeing so far of Star Trek Discovery for season two, which is that it's a little bit lighter than last season's heavy Klingon war story arc. So the first one that we have to talk about is Klingon hair. <laughs> um, Thank God. Yeah, because, and what's interesting is that not only, yay, there's Klingon hair, we have an explanation. And in fact, Mary Chifo has been on Twitter talking about the the timeline between Klingon hair um now versus Klingon hair in the future compared to them. The story is basically that Klingons shave their hair in times of war. And now they're not in war, so they're going to grow their hair out. Fine. Um, somebody on Twitter asked her, like, why then do they have hair in the future when they're at war? And she's like, well, you know. During Deep Space Nine, the Dominion War. Yeah, she's like, well, you know, times change. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually a really well it was much more well formulated response than that. Right. She talks about she talks about how a hundred years have passed since that has happened between between Discovery Era and Deep Space Nine and that there has been in fact some assimilation and appropriation and, mm -hmm. and their culture has changed a bit, yep. which is what Takuvma was afraid of. Yep. So this is not the first time that we've seen a, uh, an interpretation of a race that does something in times of conflict, right? This was introduced with the Romulans in the Kelvin timeline, yeah, right? With the facial they, tattoos. They shave their heads and the facial tattoos, and they cut off their ears in in reflection of those who have been lost. So you know, you notice that they're, they're, they don't have the pointy ears, the Romulans in, in JJ verse. Um, now, probably this was. Uh, this was some really great retconning. Mm -hmm. This was probably some really great explanations as to, okay, now let's try to let's try to pull back on this this massive change. What can we do to kind of appease 
the fan base who was really upset about what we did with the Klingons and how can we bring that back? So even if, even if this is just them kind of covering their tracks, mm -hmm. they've done, they did a re, Mary Chifo owns it. Oh yeah. She owns this retconning. She owns the Klingon culture there. She has a level of respect for this craft and this character and this, this lore that puts every other Klingon actor before her to shame. It really oh, does. Oh, yeah. She pronounces Kalesh correctly. It's actually correct. Kalesh. I, we, I have the book, Okrin's book. Yeah. Um, and, and she does it She does it live. She knows it. It's not prepared script. She, she knows and understands. She cares, which is really, really significant because she is now, uh, for want of a better word, um, the torchbearer for the Klingon race, isn't she? Because at the end of Discovery, she's right. basically held the keys handed the keys to their kingdom um, so it's great right. to see that that actor whose character is in a position of authority within the Klingon uh, proto-empire um, is carrying that over into real life and it's amazing how having hair actually makes them look like closer to TNG Klingons yep. um, so you're right she really is the keeper of, of the Klingons in this new era of Star Trek the other thing that I wanted to mention was during the live uh, panel at Comic Con she mentioned that Glenn Hetrick picked out you know, one of those little Trek nuggets of Klingon lore where Kalesh talks about cutting a lock of his hair off and dipping it into the lava to create the first Batleth and then defeating Molor. And he took that. And I, I honestly believe that this was a decision he made before season one even started. The other thing that I really like about this is if you think about it, it informs why Chang in Star Trek six is bald and everybody else isn't because he's <laughs> he feels like he's per perpetually in a time of war. Nice. Yeah, you know, and because he's 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 he he talks about being a cold warrior, and I think that that that's really cool. And even, I'm sure that they didn't even think about that, but that really makes that connection uh, more solid for me in in my own head canon. So while we're talking about um, hair, I have to I have to point out there's one little like throwaway comment almost that Kurtzman makes because okay, Spock's beard has been like controversial this week. People all over Twitter debating whether Spock should have a beard and what is that about and they can't make Spock hot but newsflash Spock always was hot so whatever anyway there's a there's a, a real throwaway line where Kurtzman says he makes reference to the beard specifically and he says we'll have an answer so if you are upset about Spock's beard you need to tune in and apparently there's a reason Lastly, one of the other things that was talked about briefly, albeit, is uh, the Picard series and how that will relate, if at all, to Discovery, which it won't. One is not necessarily going to directly impact the other. They're living in the same universe, yes, but uh, it, it one doesn't have to do with the other. It's kind of like TOS and TNG. Mm -hmm. So they're just eras. It's different eras of Star Trek, which is cool. I like that idea. And I like that the Picard show is in the works. We've got Discovery Season 2 coming, and we've got short treks all kind of going. This is the beginning of what we had hoped would happen, which is the Star Trek cinematic television universe, expanded universe, whatever you want to call it. Because, and we'll talk about it later when we get to on screen, short treks is, it exists sort of on its own. It's, it's a part of the Discovery era, but it's, they're standalone stories. So what we're starting to get now is potentially different Star Trek series that are unrelated that you can pick and choose. And what was interesting to me is I was, as I was listening, I was kind of eh, intrigued about Star Trek Discovery, but it was kind of like this thing that's happening over there. Some parts of Discovery lost me last season. Um, but it's okay because I've got other things to look at in Star Trek as well. And that was a really great place for me to be in. I thought that there were some bits of what they were talking about Discovery that I really didn't care about. But I was okay with that because it wasn't my only Star Trek. Lastly, I want to give a shout out to Wilson Cruz uh, for being the social justice warrior that he is. One thing specifically he mentioned, of course, were the American citizens in Puerto Rico who are still struggling uh, a year plus after Hurricane Maria, um, plus several other moments that he took to, to send a message, including how important it is to vote this coming November. Um, we don't normally get political here, and we're not—we don't intend to. But 
It's your civic duty, and any Starfleet officer would certainly vote. And just one final note. Uh, we, we have talked about it before, but just a reminder that Star Trek Discovery Season 2 is due to come out on January 17th. That's uh, two weeks after the Harry Mudd Short Trek, which comes out on January 3rd. Also a Thursday, as opposed to the normal Sunday that they did for Season 1. Well, that brings us to our first community question. Captains, what excited you most about the Discovery Panel at New York Comic Con? Was it the trailer, a, a particular announcement? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO385 or by replying to our community question posts via social media like Facebook or Twitter. The pitch to play in Picard's playground are perpetual. A couple weeks ago, it was James McAvoy and Rosario Dawson. This week, it was Will Wheaton. <laughs> Speaking to a crowd at Baltimore Comic-Con, Wheaton said of the upcoming Picard series, quote, When they announced the Picard series, I got excited for Star Trek in a way that I haven't been since the last season of Deep Space Nine. I got so excited for it because I love Patrick and I love that character and the next-gen timeline, which is also the Deep Space Nine timeline. It is that timeline that I love the most, end quote. Despite Wheaton's eagerness to play Wesley Crusher again, he doesn't think it's likely. Quote, I think it's just extraordinarily unlikely that it will happen. If they did, I would say yes, of course. I think all of us would say yes. I think all of us, if we were given the opportunity to put on the spacesuits again and go to work together and bring those characters back, as they would be 30 years later, we would all say yes. End quote. For a link to the panel video, check out the show notes. So this would be an interesting bit of of uh, continuation of the storyline, getting Wesley back. I mean, it'd be interesting to have him sort of as a guest character because the last time we saw him on screen, he left to be go be super Wesley with the Traveler, right? There was that. He was supposed to be in one of the uh, TNG movies. He was in a deleted scene of Nemesis at the wedding. That's it. Yeah, so, but we haven't seen him on screen since he left with the Traveler mm. back in whatever season of TNG it was. So I, I, I would love to know what happened to Wesley, but then I love Wesley. Um, but, but I think he's probably right. Um, his relationship with the Star Trek franchise has been so fraught over the years. It would be, uh, I think that would be a steep hill to climb. My favorite uh, Wesley episode is actually Final Mission, where Picard and Wesley are crashed on a desert planet with that terrible space captain guy. And uh, I think if you're going to have a Picard series and you bring Wesley back, you know, I, I think that's the best way you could have the character mm. come back is, is, is on a standalone Picard show. Now, last but certainly not least, I have to give a massive shout out to Lawrence of Geek Life Rules for putting on a phenomenal production on October 3rd titled New York Cosplay Cabaret 3, Road to New York Comic Con. It was a wonderful night of song and celebration of geek culture with wonderful performances, including one uh, by Lawrence himself, doing actually several by, from, by Lawrence himself. Uh, it's a real honor and a real pleasure to be able to work with Lawrence uh, for these types of events, and we are certainly planning for more events down the road. So again, a big shout out to Lawrence who puts all of this stuff together. It was a remarkable experience with so many talented performers. Congrats to everyone for a very successful performing night. Did you have fun going, Anthony? I did. Um, I, I've been to a couple of shows like that, and this is by far one of the best ones. And um, I really enjoyed it, and, and you were fantastic. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming down. I'm glad you were able to get down here early enough uh, to catch it. It was, it was great to see you and have drinks with you again. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. We're ready to dive into our gaming news for this week, and joining us is Fleet Admiral Winters of the Priority One Armada. Captains, we have now entered the Age of Discovery. The multi-release adventure brings Star Trek Online alongside with the currently running television series for the first time ever. Join Star Trek actors Mary Wiseman as Cadet Sylvia Tilly and Jeffrey Combs as Captain Shran in the new tutorial mission. Then continue your voyages in the Discovery era. 
As with any new content launch, we also have a plethora of promotions for captains to take advantage of. That's right. If you missed out on the Discover Uniform giveaway before, well, they're back in the C-Store for free. And they'll be available indefinitely. Now, your 2409 and TOS captains can run those new Discovery simulation missions in style. If any of your characters need a jump start, the Age of Discovery starter pack is also available. This pack contains 12 additional inventory slots, one large XP boost, a Discovery-era phaser sniper rifle and stun bolt pistol, a tardigrade vanity pet, and a Walker-class prototype light exploration cruiser, which is the first scaling starship. It will level with you all the way up to level 30. This starter pack is currently available in the C-Store for an introductory price of 750 zen. That's 50% off its normal price of 1500 zen. The Europa-class ship, a Tier 6 homage to Admiral Anderson's Nimitz-class USS Europa, which was destroyed during the battle at the Binary Stars, is now available in the C-Store. As per the recent trend, there is also an introductory discount of 20% off until Monday, October 15th. And if you're looking for one of the new starships only found in the Swarm lockbox, keys and keyring bundles will be 15% off until October 18th. Also, when purchasing the keyring bundle, you will receive an ultimate tech upgrade. So this is a cheat to get them around making additional ships. That's what this feels like. That's true, because the Walker class is actually available in the Lobi store. And I know right. I know because I have one on my main character. So, yeah, by doing this ship and, you know, it scales with you, they don't have to create... Like, you know, the way they've done with uh, the Jemadar uh, pack and the Legacy of Romulus pack and the Temporal Agent pack. You know, they had a starter pack and then they had, you know, a big ship bundle, you know, with a ton of ships in it. What does it mean to scale up with you as, a, like, you know, a, an early tier ship to a later tier, tier ship is, for instance, loadout slots, right? I can have five for weapons instead of three. As you, as you level up, this ship doesn't start adding forward weapons, right? It doesn't just automatically insert a new slot. No. No, it, it has, it appears to have all of the slots that it's going to have right from the get-go. What what appears to change is the hull value at, right. at level 10, level 20, and level 30. Meh, that doesn't interest me. Yeah, and uh, there's been a lot of confusion with this because they use the terms scaling. A lot of people thought exactly what you were thinking, Elijah, which was, right, it's going to come with one engineering, one science, and one tactical slot, and when I get to level 20, it's going to, you know, give me X amount of additional slots for the various different ones, and right. weapons will expand, and so on and so forth, and it doesn't do that. The only thing that changes is the hull stats, and I, I don't know, maybe the shield stats as well. The hull and shield values adjust as your, your level increases. Well, that's disappointing because I, you know, when thinking about a ship that levels up with me, I'm thinking about a ship that, you know, I, I have two four weapons and one engineering. And then as when I get to level 20, I get three four weapons and two engineering or or I get the, the option to do that to my ship. So, yeah, this is a bit of a cheat. You're right. I, I, w I will say that I don't mind the fact that it has all the slots to begin with. To be honest, I actually like that because I'm one of these crazy players that I, I bought every single pre-order item when the game launched. So I actually start the game. I start in every new character. I actually have like four or five consoles that I that I have available to me, but I can't use all of them on the normal tier one ships. So it was kind of refreshing for me to be able to say, oh, I could actually throw all of these in uh, and use them right away, which I thought was kind of cool. The one thing that does disappoint me about this is that it is just a reuse of the Walker class. And I was actually a little frustrated because I had spent all of my low buy crystals to buy the ship in the low buy store. And then because I wanted a Discovery era ship and I couldn't afford the Crossfield class ship, you know, with the EC costs. And so I wanted right. something that was close. And I so I spent all the money. Now it's way more affordable in this starter pack and you get to use it for half of your leveling up. So 
I mean, that that was definitely frustrating for me. One thing that I do want to uh, point out with this, uh, the, there's also been a lot of confusion with players. I, I've seen this an awful lot over the last few days. People are creating their discovery character and they're immediately trying to claim the starter pack on their discovery tune. And you can't do that. You actually have to get out of the tutorial first. So if you're having trouble claiming the starter pack and you're still in the tutorial, once you get out of the tutorial, you'll be able to do it. And not only that, but even after you claim the starter pack, you still have to go into the ship tab in the sea store to claim the actual ship outside of the pack. Because I I actually had to ask in uh, Priority One chat last night how to get my how to get my uh, Walker class ship because I couldn't figure it out. That brings us to our next community question. What are your first thoughts about Star Trek Online: Age of Discovery? For those of you looking for more backstory leading up to the Age of Discovery content, then check out our show notes for links to the latest fiction blogs. The Day Everything Changed recounts what our fellow cadets were doing the day the Federation entered into the war with the Klingons. Fighting in a Burning House gives us a closer look at Jaula, matriarch of House Mokai, and the main antagonist of Age of Discovery. And finally, in Will to Fight, we join Captain Shran on the USS Sabrova, as he and his crew are on their way to the USS Ticonderoga to determine her status. Alright guys, so we've had a few days to play with Age of Discovery. What are your initial thoughts? Anthony. Well, at this point, I've honestly only played the tutorial, which, um, as we were discussing earlier, is actually pretty much a reskin and a rewrite of the regular 2409 tutorial, which I am a little disappointed in, but I think on a positive note, we do get to spend the tutorial with Tilly, and we get to spend half of it with Jeffrey Combs playing a descendant of Shran from Enterprise, and I love every character Jeffrey Combs plays on Star Trek. I feel like they knew that that they were going to be redoing this tutorial, and so they wanted to give us a little extra for the people who have who have played this this tutorial over and over again. And it was kind of nice to have those actors and those characters in the tutorial this time around. And I will tell you, my favorite part of this entire content has been the shield effect when phaser blasts are hitting the shields. I absolutely love it. Um, that and uh, the new the new UI interface and the just the sound effects in general and the aesthetics of the Age of Discovery release has been really great because I'm super excited about Discovery right now. I think a lot of Star Trek fans are. And to be able to be in that world in Star Trek Online to feel fully immersed in it has been uh, a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to playing the additional content that's been released. So um, the only content that I've actually played for Age of Discovery are the two new story missions. And I played those on my main. I actually still haven't created an Age of Discovery character, mainly because there's no recruitment event this time around, which is a little disappointing. We knew that you know it wasn't going to be a huge release, um, but I, th- I think a lot of us were kind of hoping that there was going to be a recruitment event, even if it was a small one. And if they did that, I definitely would have uh, created a Discovery character already. I-, I will. I'm just not in any hurry to do it because I'm like, eh, you know what? Well, I- I'm hearing like what Anthony is saying here uh, that the tutorial is basically a copy and paste of the 2409 tutorial, which is a little disappointing as well. And hearing that, I think that they're probably going to revamp that tutorial in a year or maybe two years to make it, you know, its own thing rather than a copy and paste of what was put in. So I created a brand new character for this. I started an Age of Discovery character because I wanted to experience it the way new players would coming in, right? People who are interested in it. And I took several notes as I was playing, things that I loved, and and most of these notes that I took were things that I found incredibly immersive. I mean, first and foremost, Mary Wiseman did a phenomenal 
voiceover job in Star Trek Online. When you're in front of a microphone and not able to act and move your body because you're, you have to be in front of the microphone, that can be challenging for an actor, right? Not, not being able to move around or, or emote the way a camera or a stage might be able to pick up for you. But Mary Wiseman delivered all of her dialogue exactly the way I would expect her to do on screen, which I cannot say for some of the other voice actors who have come back to lend their talents to Star Trek Online. She really just slipped right into Tilly. And it was so remarkably refreshing. Hearing her say the lines to boldly go was, it, it just, it gave me chills. It really did give me chills. Anthony, like you said, the UI and the sound effects were, were just so spot on to bridge this gap between what we have played as veteran players to now this new discovery era. Do we, do we know if this tutorial is completely replacing the 2409 one? I don't think there's been any mention of that at all. Because I'm wondering if every new character that you create on the Federation side starts with this new tutorial now. That might make more sense as to why it was a copy and paste. So I, I, I remember the tutorial that you're referring to, right? That, that, and I, and I, know, I remember feeling as if though this was in fact a bit of a copy and paste, but there were moments in this tutorial that I don't remember ever feeling before. Spoiler alert, captains. There's a moment that the whole of the bridge blows out. And you're hidden behind a corner, and you watch a fellow crewman get blown out. I don't remember that, even in the revamp of the tutorial. What I specifically don't remember is my character's expressions as that happened. My character was animated in a way that was a part of the mission. I was 100% immersed in this cutscene. Right. It was it was remarkable the the look of shock watching another crewman, another cadet get blown out of the hole. I I was like, "Oh my god, I feel that." Oh, I it was great. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So the the explosion is definitely from the original tutorial, but you're right. The the facial expressions are are definitely updated and I had a similar moment when the captain is killed on the Klingon ship when Ju'ula kills the captain and then the expression on your on your character's face of shock and then the, you you see your character recognize that they have to now shake that off and take command and that moment for me I was like oh wow like this is really this is really good Anthony I would love to talk about that I would love to talk about that moment but I hate to say it I can't because I stopped dead in my tracks in the middle of the tutorial because of a bug. And that bug happened when you're supposed to breach the doors to engineering and save Tilly. I, I guess I moved my character during that, that interaction and it screwed up the entire mission. It screwed up all the triggers for the mission. So the door opened ahead of time. I walked in. I killed the Klingons. And yet the mission goal is telling me I still have to breach the door and eliminate the Klingons, which I already did. Now, I have logged out of the game. I have switched characters. I have submitted a ticket. I have reached out to the GM. I have tweeted about it. Nothing I do that is typical to a to a mission bug where you can change instance or log out and log back in is is helping me in this situation. So what's my option? Do I have to delete this character and start new? I have become a casual player that comes into the game to experience the immersive story. But even in that time, the mechanics of the game and certain and, and the core of the game has not changed. It hasn't. Sure, there are new weapons, there's new items, but the functionality of the game has not changed. So for me to log in and then experience a bug like this is really, 
disappointing. Really disappointing. I don't want to have to go through the parts of the tutorial that I did, which was running around Starfleet Academy talking to people just to, to have a bug like this happen, God forbid, again. This is really disappointing, and I, and I, I, I have to openly say it. No, I don't disagree. I, I, I had the same issue on the 2409 tutorial, and I, I remember I had to go to, to the internet to figure out how to get past it. So, But I can't log out. I can't beam out to a new map. I can't change instances because it's a tutorial. You're limited in what you can do. And it's, it's just really disappointing. This, this type of hurdle, this, this roadblock is really disappointing for a seven-year-old game. I, this, this is not something I should have had to worry about, which removes me, and I don't want to have to start a new character. I don't. I don't, I don't want to do it now. So I wasted 30 to 45 minutes of my game time that I, I set apart to play this new expansion to experience it and go through it with, with Mary Wiseman's voiceover, and now you're telling me I got to do it all over again? Is this, is this the only option I have? Question mark really question mark because I don't know maybe there is so captains if you know of something that I don't please let me know write in incoming at priority1podcast.com tweet at us or you can tweet at me at p1 Elijah because I'd love to know if this is something that other players have experienced in the tutorial the tutorial of all things that should not be buggy the tutorial should be that one thing yeah I, I can tell you that a lot of players have come across this uh, the very same thing because I've seen it over the last couple of days within just the Priority One Armada itself uh, all of our members that have made new characters and a lot of people are running into the same exact issue that you're describing and you're right it is very disappointing and I really really do hate to say this because I've always been a at least I think I've always been a very good defender of Cryptic um, anyone in Priority One Armada knows that I am and for me, this Age of Discovery, it feels very rushed, and I hate to say that, but it does. It just feels like it's been rushed to get it out for the sake of getting it out. I think it, it hasn't been the best release that they've done. I think it's, it's showing that it's been rushed. That's it for this week in gaming news. Now, let's find out what is on screen with the first short track titled Runaway. On screen. Now, Captains, you didn't think we were going to avoid talking about short treks, did you? Well, now that we've got new content on CBS All Access, we're going to be bringing back on screen a short review of the latest episodes being published on the streaming service CBS All Access. So, Ken, why don't you start with a summary for this short trek? In episode one of Short Treks, entitled Runaway... Discovery's Cargo Bay 3 empties out as Shift 5 ends. Suddenly, one of the containers opens, and an alien hand emerges, cutting itself on the jagged container door. Orange blood drips from the yet-unseen creature. On to Ensign Sylvia Tilly, on the subspace Skype with her mother. The conversation is not going well. After being compared to her wise stepsister and chastised about her caffeine intake, Tilly gets it. Stop shooting for the stars. Following a well-earned scream into her pillow, Tilly makes her way to the mess hall. Sitting with her espresso alone, Tilly hears a sound. Then she notices a strange orange liquid on the floor, then on her shoulder. An invisible creature falls from the ceiling, and the food dispensers go into a frenzy. The transparent creature that set the malfunction into motion becomes visible-ish. A tricorder scan shows the young woman is Zahian, a civilization that has just achieved warp capability. Some ice cream, a universal translator, and a little teenage backtalk earns the teenager's trust. But when another group enters the mess hall, she disappears. Tilly explains the mess with a lie about a hormonal space rabbit with mood swings. We head back to her quarters where the mysterious stowaway interrupts Tilly doing some research. That's definitely a callback to TOS. The Z Angry Easter Bunny. <laughs> the Zahian teenager Poe explains that she is an orphan, her mother, father, and brother all dead. She tells Tilly about a natural balance between the planet and her people, and that Zahia is rich in dilithium. 
Soon, Tilly discovers that Poe has what amounts to a galactic APB out on her. Some teenage angst later, and we find out that Poe is a talented engineer that has created an incubator to recrystallize dilithium, and made Zahia potentially the most politically relevant planet in the galaxy. Tilly and Poe have something in common. Both are extraordinary, and neither are listened to. Poe made the incubator for her planet, her twin, but because of the creation, her world was turned upside down. Tilly heals the young Zahian's arm and eases her fears about building her dilithium recrystallizer. The kindred pair head to the transporter room where Ensign Tilly gets one more surprise. Poe is actually the soon-to-be queen of Zahia. Before she leaves, Poe gives Tilly a dilithium crystal from Zahia and an invitation for a visit. The end. Okay, so I'm gonna let you talk. <laughs> Okay. I'm going to let you talk. I just got one thing to say real quick about this episode before I then go on my rant later. Is that this was a nice 15-minute recap of Scotty and Jayla's relationship in Star Trek Beyond. This was just... I, I It was delightful. Now, that's not to say I didn't enjoy it, but I felt that this Poe character could have very well been... Jayla, like it could have been an origin story for Jayla. I, it, it, and it made me think of the parallels between Tilly and Scotty. Tilly could very well have been Scotty as a cadet, you know, this, this, he, because he grows up to be a very charming and, and witty man. He, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a little awkward as he first started his career in Starfleet. Overall, I did enjoy the episode. I thought it was funny, sweet, and and I absolutely love Mary Wiseman's uh, command of the character and how she's embraced it. But that's all I have to say about that. Now, Anthony, you made a comment here in our notes about Scotty made a comment in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, about recrystallizing dilithium. Uh, yeah, so my, my canon nerd came out and... Um, <laughs> And uh, Poe talks about how she created an incubator to recrystallize dilithium. Uh, dilithium is also available on her planet. That's part of why she's running away. It's how everybody's treating her planet. And um, in Star Trek Four, after they go back in time, there's a problem with the dilithium crystals, and they need to recrystallize them. And Scotty says to Kirk that even in their time, they can't recrystallize dilithium, but there may be a 20th century alternative using the nuclear radiation from... The nuclear um, vessels. The <laughs> nuclear vessels, exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if this is a canon error or not, but I guess if... I guess if... My only explanation would be that that uh, Poe does say she she wants to close that door, meaning she wants to keep that technology away from other people. And so it's quite possible that the Zahians keep that technology to themselves and don't allow the Federation to use it at all. So that's that's really my only explanation to that. But that was one of one of the callbacks that I saw to other parts of canon was that line. I would be surprised if this was a canonical mistake. I they Discovery didn't do things accidentally, and I don't think short treks will either. I think if there's an inconsistency like that, there's a good chance that we might see it again with a better explanation. Um, and in fact, I wonder, I have no opinion about this, but I do wonder if we will see the events of short treks again, whether it's in Discovery Season 2 or beyond i think it's quite possible based on fans reactions to some of these that they may want to bring back the characters or the scenarios to because i felt like this very very well could have been a b or a c story in any episode of discovery and i I quite enjoyed it i actually would disagree with elijah about that you could place Jayla or Scotty in this situation because this short was about Tilly's decision to go into the command program and about her finalizing that decision to herself and I don't think you could place any other character in that situation and have it mean the same thing because the the allegory the metaphor with Poe is that she, 
Poe needs to step up and do what's right for her people and for herself. And and any great guest star in in any television show will help a main character through something or make a decision or reflect themselves. And that's exactly what's happening in this short. And it's really about Tilly finalizing that decision that she does belong in the command program, no matter what she feels or other people tell her. Uh, Can I just uh, point out a couple of dorky things? Because yes, please. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like this episode the first time I watched it, and the second time I got a lot more out of it. I think I was like reintroduced to the Discovery world or something the second time. But there were a couple of goofy bits. The one that really bothered me, like really, really bad, was like uh, Miss Disney Princess Space Fish Girl cut her finger. Right? She cut her finger, and then her arm was bleeding. It, it bothered me the first time I saw it. it. It bothered me no less the second time I saw it. And I guarantee if I watch it again, it will bother me again. Because she cuts her finger and then her arm's bleeding. Ugh. Gaping plot hole. But the thing that I loved the absolute most in, in this entire... I can't even call it an episode. It's more like a short story was Tilly just completely like making up a lie about like the hormonal space rabbit <laughs> and <laughs> like messing up the canteen. It was hilarious. I thought that bit was absolutely hilarious and believable in character as uh, as Ensign Tilly and I, I thought it was wonderful. That's kind of funny because that's my least favorite part of the entire short. Yeah, I don't know why. So I had a problem with Poe's character because she was introduced as a wild beast and then Clicky suddenly and sniffy and spiky and growly and 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 then all of a sudden in over ice cream completely completely shifted the character I don't understand why she needed to have been that beastly at the start to destroy the entire mess hall I mean, other if she hadn't, we wouldn't have had the 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 moody rabbit joke, but it just felt it felt put for, it did it didn't fit it didn't fit to where Poe ended as royalty on this planet, where it was she was obviously sentient, obviously capable of reasoning, and yet she was acting completely animalistically, like there was no reasoning. Like she could have been, she could have been a, a space rock. To be fair, though, she said deliberately that she needed nobody to know who she was. So, it's totally possible. I mean, I didn't read it that way, but it's totally possible that she was playing up the like the feral thing, so that nobody would have a whiff of an idea that she was actually who she turned up to be. So, I, I, if somebody told me that that's what they wrote it as, I'd believe it. I'm not really sure it played out that well on the screen, but um, that's that's the way I chose to interpret it. Right, because I mean, you know, you said Disney princess. I immediately thought Jasmine. Right, Jasmine wants to leave the palace, and she dresses up, but she's still Jasmine. You know, she plays a little wonky when Aladdin has to pretend that you know whatever happens in the in the market. No spoilers, and if you haven't yeah. watched Aladdin, <laughs> but. But but it just it went it was so drastic where and, and again I thought back of Jayla and Scotty in Star Trek Beyond because you know Jayla attacks him Jayla attacks Scotty but she wasn't feral she wasn't beat she wasn't this animal she was just protecting herself um so yeah that was that my was counter my, argument that was my is problem. what if that's what most Zahians are like. What if that's a typical Zahian teenager? So she's trying to blend in. You don't know. It's you can explain it away. Yeah, right, 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 right. For a fifteen-minute thing, yeah, you, it's hard to it's hard to try. You're, at this point, we're just grasping. Well, I think for from a story point too is you need her to be as alien as possible in order to make the connection between the two of them stronger by the end. Why? Why? Why though? That didn't have to be the case with Jayla. I'm, and no, I'm just saying that that. That doesn't have to be the case, but that's just what they decided to do here was they wanted to they wanted you to feel like this like she was something else so that when when her story backstory came out, there was there was more of a message of, well, you can't judge a book by its cover. So I just want to make one more point before we wrap up. 
short treks to me, I, I, I was a little skeptical from hearing the descriptions of what they were going to be like. And after watching it, I thought this is actually a really great direction for Star Trek to go in. I loved the idea that we could have a little standalone story. This is my episodic content that doesn't get to be in Star Trek Discovery. I almost wished it were longer. I would have liked to know more about Zahia. I would have liked to have a little bit more action during the episode. But as a stopgap between this long, drawn-out story of something like Discovery versus the episodic content that we saw with TOS and The Next Generation, this hit that spot for me. And I would actually love to see more short treks. The production value was not as high as Discovery. You know, some of the effects were a bit cheap. But the story kind of hit that spot for me. And I would like to see more. Yeah, and I think that what you said earlier was right on, is that you, you had to watch it a couple times. I, there's a lot in this 15 minutes, and I've, I've watched this four times, and I still was getting new, new bits out of it the fourth time I watched it. And I think that's, that's really good for something this short, that it has the replay value that, you, that you, you need to keep watching it over and over again to really experience the full story. Well, you're going to have to save it for on screen for our patrons because that's what we're going to next. If you'd like a longer analysis and a longer discussion for this episode, then be sure to check out our $10 patron level because every week you get a whole new separate show titled On Screen that's dedicated to discussions like this. I'm going to end it with this point. I am not going to pay for short treks, nor am I going to, nor am I going to watch them. Kenna, you made the point, for instance, that the production quality was not as high. These are short snippets. I refuse to give CBS more reason to think that they can get away with this kind of stuff by giving them money, by giving them 30 to $40 or $50 for 15 minutes of webisode content. It, re- it just really grinds my gears. And what's even more upsetting is that, as you've mentioned and corrected me, it's not available anywhere outside of the United States, these short not tracks. Not yet. This is not yet. But that's, that's, a, that's just insanity. That's insanity. Who thought that that was a good idea? Because that's crap. And it's upsetting. Now, I'm already upset at CBS for what they pulled with the hashtag silly for Tilly trend that our community started. And I'm not going, look, I'm not going to get into it because I know a lot of people feel really strongly about, look, this is their IP. They can do whatever they, they, they can do whatever they want. And you're right. They can do whatever they want with this IP, but that doesn't give me any less reason to be upset over them monopolizing a social media trend that was started by the community, by our very own Jace from priority one go to twitter do a search do a search for hashtag silly for tilly and you'll see that he started it did could they have monopolized on it yeah of course and they did there are cups now there are t-shirts now but priority one went out of its way to make sure that we weren't going to step on anybody's toes we didn't take off on any licenses we didn't do anything and it, it just it it i know that not everybody that works for this IP are monsters or capitalists that live in suits and are so far disconnected from the fan base. I know that's not the case. However, these little missteps really, really pour salt on the wound. And I think they could do a better job. They really could do a better job and they continue to do these missteps that affect how people enjoy the franchise. Whether you're a fan that was looking forward to walking on the bridge of the Enterprise through a VR rig that you might have had and not had to pay a dime for the game, or or a, a, a trend on social media, or you want to be a fan and watch webisodes outside of this country, like these, it's just I think it's just poorly. These are situations that have been poorly handled, and I'm not going to give them thirty dollars when for twelve dollars I can go see a two-hour movie with better production quality. 
I'm not. I can't justify that cost, and I can't justify giving them that money. If you want to watch other things, I know, for instance, Jay Galloway in the chat likes to watch Magnum PI and a lot of the other CBS shows. Great. Take advantage of it however you want to, but none of the other content on CBS All Access interests me, and I'm not going to pay 30 or more dollars just to watch an hour's worth of content. That is, as, as already has been shown to us, isn't, isn't there 100%? They cut corners for these. No, no, enough is enough, and I'm not going to pay for them. That's my rant. I would just like to say that in, in, in 1995, Star Trek Voyager premiered on the UPN network. I lived in a rural area, and the UPN network was not a broadcast channel that I could get. If I wanted to watch it, I had to buy cable. And the worst part was, is cable was not available on the road that I lived on. And to purchase cable in 19... 19- 95 was a hell of a lot more than 699 a month. And so this is not new to me. And I, I think that, that this is the future of media consumption and this program is available. You're, you're going way too far for Star Trek discovery and the core season. Fine. These webisodes for one hour's worth of content over four months of required subscriptions is but, you're, but that's not what they're selling you. But they're fan. not selling you just 15 minutes for $6.99. They're selling you a service. No, they're selling me a whole has, package of, of that this CBS is what All it, Access. And it's only, it's only to watch them when they come out. You can watch them later on. It's just you, you, you know, you're paying for the. Yeah, I'm not going to give them that's the $30. Fine. That's I, fine. I, I'm, I just I think. I just, okay. I, you're right. It's fine. It's fine that I'm not going to give them $30 to, for, to, for Star Trek. Because that's what's pulling people to CBS All Access. Star Trek fans, yes. Anthony, all this means is that you and I get all the time we want to wax poetic about short treks for the next several months without uh, without Elijah button in there. <laughs> so I think that pretty much wraps it up for uh, this, uh, this segment of On Screen. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 384's first community question was, should the untitled Picard series cast Rosario Dawson and or James McAvoy? From Patreon, James Golding writes in, I would love to see James McAvoy in the new Picard series. I loved what you were saying about keeping it so that younger versions were set so that they had to remain the same regardless of franchise. It would never happen, but it would be great if it did. Yeah, I said it last time and I will say it again. I think your idea of like forcing actors to sign a contract that they must always play the younger and older versions of each other, like I think is what, it's what Hollywood needs right now, basically. Also from Patreon, Chris Keen says, I'm not a big oi oi McAvoy fan and I see no reason why an older Picard series would need a younger version of himself especially as we have already seen that other castings I think we are all hoping for a 1701D family reunion see I have to disagree with this because I think that any excuse to have James McAvoy in a production that I uh, watch uh, any excuse is a good excuse from Patreon Jay Galloway says Wrong guy to ask. I'll watch anything that promotes Star Trek and has Sir Patrick Stewart in it. From Facebook, Carlos Perez says, Yes, cast Dawson and McAvoy and the whole TNG and DS9 cast. I want it all. I couldn't agree more, Carlos. <laughs> it's a little greedy, but I can get on board with that. I, I'm okay with it. <laughs> look, look, you, six months ago, six months ago, a Picard series was a dream, and now it's a reality. This is a dream, and it could also be a reality. Start pushing for it now. You could be this generation's B. Joe Trimble. Just just go for it. From Twitter, Hayden Jones writes in, Rosario is a solid actress whose presence in the Defender series was always welcome. If she wants to put on some Klingon makeup, I say hire the girl before it's too late. By the way, discovery of next-gen Klingon? James would be wonderful as a stunt cast, but I worry about getting him back for another episode. From a Star Trek Online point of view, having an unknown actor play Jean-Luc might mean we see him in-game. Hashtag squee! 
Episode 384's second community question was, With more and more details coming out, what are you looking forward to most with Age of Discovery? From Patreon, Chris Keen writes in, I'm really looking forward to having a series running alongside Star Trek Online. That aside, I can't wait to see the overhaul and expansion of the reputation system. As a side note, I really missed you guys last week, and it's so good to hear your voices again. It's never been secret that I have all the love in the world for P1 and the hard work people do in front and behind the scenes. Three hearts. Three hearts. Chris Keen, you the man. You are a legend. I love... I love that special message you sent us, Chris. What, are you, Chris? What are you doing, man? Why aren't you? Why aren't you voicemailing? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell says, "More discovery content in STO sounds good. An adventure with Tilly, especially, and the reputation revamp could be interesting. Though I wish that the account-wide sponsorship instead just auto-finish those reputations on subsequent characters." And if all goes well with Age of Discovery numbers-wise, then maybe down the road CBS will see fit to tie in the new Picard show stuff with STO as well, including possibly some voiceover from Sir Patrick Stewart himself. So play nice, Disco Bashers, or no Picard for you. Smiley face. From Twitter, Ken from Chicago says, hashtag Captain Killy. Hopefully. And from PriorityOnePodcast.com, Old Faithful, Sean Newboy writes in, Great job, everyone. Very entertaining. As far as Star Trek Online, all the new rep stuff. Well, that wraps up episode 385 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Mission Log Live, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Jim DeVico, Navy Boats Lou, Diana Gunter, Peter Archibald, Starkicker, and Darnell Dwayne Ross. We also have two community questions for you this week. What were your takeaways from the Star Trek Discovery panel at New York Comic Con this year? Was it the trailer, a particular announcement? Let us know. And what are your thoughts now that Age of Discovery has released on Star Trek Online for PC players? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter or Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel, where they review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we'll team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players new and old. Be sure to follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one. And if you'd like to join the Armada, then visit PriorityOneArmada.com. Still not enough? Well, then be sure to watch for The Cutting Room. Join Priority One audio editor Brandon Parker on Thursday nights at around 6.30 p.m. Eastern and watch as he turns our Tuesday hijinks into Friday gold. That link again is twitch.tv forward slash priority one. Promotional consideration for this episode has been supplied by BioBidet. Find out more at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash BioBidet. This episode of Priority One Podcast is also brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editor, Brandon Parker. To producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the writing of the show and social media endeavors, including Title It Thursday and Awesome Survey Sunday. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. 
Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Sue, no. Engage. Also have a plethora of promotional promotions. We'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get this. What does this mean? What? It, what? What? Uh, uh, is 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 plethora too big of a word for you? <laughs> so I uh, am drunk. I am <laughs> drunk podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network